ask 100 school leaders for their best piece of wisdom, and the majority of respondents will likely tell you that it's all about relationships. That's great, but how do you turn it's all about relationships into a strategy you can execute every day? The answer is surprisingly simple, and if you're a regular listener, you may already know it. I'll be sharing some experiences from my summer hiking trip, and if you make it to the end, you'll hear three specific techniques for executing on this simple strategy. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day we have a chance to grow. Every day we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader. A leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Before we dig in, let's start with celebrations. Today, I'm celebrating a wonderful podcast with Efrain Martinez's Wisdom and Productivity Podcast. Efrain asked some great questions, beginning with, who are you? Which is one of those questions that's like an onion. The podcast episode isn't out yet, but I'll put a link to the YouTube broadcast in the show notes. The past week has been bumpy here at Strategic Leadership Consulting, and I've had trouble choosing a topic for this week. I'm now recording this on Monday afternoon, which means I'm way behind schedule. So I've had to make a decision, finally, and... I'm not sure if it's the best one, but regardless of the timing, it should be valuable. If you've been following me for more than a couple weeks, you've already heard me talk about my big 270-mile long-distance hiking trip on the Penine Way in England that Pam and I completed this summer. In fact, if you listened to last week's Five for Friday episode, we actually recapped a story from the hike. There are lots of stories. And we actually came out with about 25 leadership lessons that we want to share with people. But, you know, it's fall and and we're having trouble continuing to move that project forward. But stay tuned and I guess here's something from it. When people ask me about the trip, there's a specific thing that I keep going back to and I keep sharing. And anytime I share it with people, I feel myself get excited and I feel myself light up. So I want to share this highlight with you and then pull the leadership lessons from that. Now to share just a little bit of context, I first read about the Penine Way when I was 22 years old. And in April, I just turned 60. So I'd been waiting to do this hike for 38 years. And I was really wondering when we arrived in England, how something that I'd been anticipating for that long could actually live up to the expectations that I had built up. I, I wasn't super concerned about it, but you know, I was wondering. And the thing is that this trip at every level exceeded all of my expectations. 
And I think there's really one very simple reason, and it is that I was fully present. In fact, I've never been as present for as long as I was on this hiking trip. We were out 17 days, and the first week, week and a half especially, I was just 100% present. I can't remember a time in my life where I would go through one day, let alone seven, eight, nine, ten days, without all kinds of thoughts bouncing in my head. I have a very active mind, a very creative mind, and I'm always thinking about things outside of the place that I'm at, but not on this trip. I was fully present, and the sense of calm and contentment and joy that I had was like nothing I've experienced before. And what's really interesting is coming out of that presence, the kinds of things that I began to notice. I think it was about our fifth day out and we were starting the day by visiting Malum Cove. Malum Cove is this really beautiful cliffside, this kind of soaring cliff and you come in at the bottom there's a little stream coming out and trees and it's kind of this idyllic natural spot nestled under these stupendous cliffs and it was really beautiful there after admiring that beauty we climbed out of the cove there were in fact 400 and some odd steps to climb up the side of the cliff and we came out then on some really wild rock formations. In fact, they're so unique that there was a scene from one of the Harry Potter movies filmed there. So we begin the morning with these really stunning natural beauty and these very unique things. About 20 minutes later, we're walking down the trail and now we're in a place where it's much flatter and there's kind of moorish natural habitat, just very low shrubs and things. And I look down and I see this stone that is, I don't know, maybe two, three feet long, this kind of white rock. And I notice there's a hollow depression in it. And in that depression are these little tiny flowers, a couple yellow ones and a purple and a white flower. And I looked at those flowers and I just went, wow. How incredibly beautiful is that? And I genuinely saw the beauty in those tiny little flowers as being equivalent to the beauty in Malum Cove and the impressiveness of these strange rock formations that we'd been at 20 minutes earlier. And this kind of thing happened over and over again throughout the hike, where we'd see something big and stunning and then something small and minute, but because I was present, I noticed it. And in noticing those small beauties, you realize that they are every bit as gorgeous as the big ones. One of the hardest days was, I think it was day 10, day 11. So we were just over halfway through the hike and we came from a place called High Cup and hiked to Garrigal. And that was about 20 miles. So that was a very long day for us. And we had to go up these three fells or hilltops, Knock Fell, Great Dunfell, and then finally Cross Fell, which is the highest point on the Penine Way. 
So we did 20 miles. We had 3,000 meters of elevation gain, which is huge. And it was a really hot day. And I remember doing that huge climb up the three fells. I mean, it went for miles. We were just slogging uphill in the heat. And at that point, I will admit my attention had started to waver a little bit. I'd started to think about some other things. And all of a sudden I heard something. And what I heard was the tinkling of water. And I took a few steps off the trail to my left and I look and there's a rivulet. There's a seam running down the side of the hill. And there's just this little stream dropping down. And because it's going downhill, it's continually like a little tiny waterfall. And you can hear the way the water is moving through these tiny rocks at different points. And you know, just based on the flow and the shape, the water is giving off all of these different kinds of bubbling, trickling, splashing sounds. And I just stood there in awe and wonder. Now, I live in a place in Western North Carolina where we have amazing waterfalls. White Waterfalls is 40 minutes from me, and it's the largest waterfalls east of the Mississippi River. We have tons of other great falls here. And when I talk about this little stream and rivulet and little tiny waterfalls coming down the fells, these things were small. You could stick your hand under the whole waterfall. So they weren't this massive, impressive thing, but the sounds were so gorgeous. And the way the light was playing off the water was just so incredible. And for a while, I was able to forget my fatigue and just enjoy. And, and I realized that the sound had been going on for a while. And it accompanied us through another good chunk of that hike. The only reason I heard it was because I suddenly got present and I pulled myself into the moment. And that being present allowed me to appreciate those small beauties. Another place that this really was evident was when we were walking across the moors. The moors are extremely flat and they're covered with heather and a few other grasses, but once you've walked on the moors for five minutes, you've probably seen most of what there is to see, at least to an untrained eye like mine. But one of the things that was there were this thing they called cotton grass. And cotton grass was maybe a foot high, and the top inch and a half was this little tuft of white, fluffy stuff on these little plants. And they would just blow in the wind gently and move back and forth. And I was just transfixed by, again, by the beauty and the whole beauty of the moors, which is this open, breezy place where everything just felt so empty, but empty in a comforting way. So there's a joke that either you love the moors or you hate the moors. And I love the moors. And I think part of the reason was because I was just so present and it didn't matter that it looked the same for hours on end because every step was beautiful. That's the power of presence, right? It brings a contentment and it allows us to see and hear the things that are there, the things that are have always been there, but to appreciate them in a new light and to understand that one tiny little flower 
in the depression of a rock can be every bit as beautiful as some monumental geological formation. Presence allows us to appreciate the small beauties. So where's the leadership lesson? It's this. When we can see and hear people, we can serve them. And when we appreciate the small beauties, we can celebrate them. Without any other interventions, if you are just able to be present, that's going to help you be better at growing others. And it's going to help you be better at celebrating the numerous small wins that we have every single day. And if you can grow people and you can celebrate those daily wins and keep us all grounded in that space of celebration, you will have positive impacts on teaching, learning, and your building culture. It's a simple practice. Simple, but hard. It's so hard to stay present. As I shared, it took me 38 years to get out on this trail to actually experience extended presence. So simple, but hard. So here's three practices that can help you sustain your presence with people and for people on a daily basis. The first one involves your morning routine. One of the four essential practices for keeping yourself healthy. For the purpose of sustaining presence, the two important parts of that morning routine specifically are grounding and intention. So grounding can consist of prayer, meditation, intentional reading of something, but it's bringing that mindful presence to your morning, beginning your morning by being present. And that second piece, the intention, is the thing that you can do to help set your mind as you go through your day to tell yourself that you're intentionally going to look at people, you're intentionally going to listen to people, you're intentionally going to ask questions, and you're going to intentionally block all that other noise out. So the first practice is beginning your morning by grounding yourself and by setting an intention to be present. The second practice is asking the second question. And remember, that goes like this. Good morning, Mara. How are you? And Mara says, fine, because that is the expected answer in our culture. And then asking the second question, really, Mara, how are you? And when you ask that second question, it pulls them into the present moment, but it also anchors you in the present moment because now you've made a commitment. You've made a commitment by asking that person, by telling them, I really want to know how you are. And that commitment is going to help you stay focused. The third thing that you can do is engage in five-minute coaching. Five-minute coaching consists of those three powerful questions that you can ask teachers that help them become reflective practitioners. And five-minute coaching is great for practicing presence because one of the keys to doing a good five-minute coaching session is for you to not talk. All you do is ask the questions and then you listen. And because you're not having to think about how to, what to say or how to respond to that person that you're coaching, it makes it much, much easier for you to remain fully present. So remember, five-minute coaching goes like this. You greet the person and you say, if we're talking about a lesson, what went well in your teaching lesson? And then you 
be quiet because you are not allowed to give feedback. You're not allowed to do anything. Just listen. And after that first question of what went well, you then ask, is there anything that surprised you? And this is such a joyous question to ask people because oftentimes you'll ask that question and they will just pause and you'll see them look up or look down based on their learning style and really think. And again, we pause, we listen, we wait. And then we ask the third question, is there anything you might do differently next time? And again, we pause and wait. So those three questions help keep us focused in the present moment. And it also helps keep that teacher focused in the present moment. So there you go. The power of presence to help build relationships, three practices to sustain presence, your morning grounding and intention, asking the second question and five minute coaching. Hope you've enjoyed the episode and thank you for being present with me. Remember, you can learn more about walking your leadership journey with me at frederickbusky.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'm Frederick Busky and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Cheers.